This is the Wide Awake Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirsten Kazarian. As a child psychologist, I believe the most important part of the work I do is supporting parents by helping them deeply attune to their child and find their own balance of connection, nourishment, and inspiration. To do this, I lean on the practice of mindfulness. Join me in a conversation about raising our kids, raising our consciousness, and trying to stay awake. Welcome to episode 32 of our podcast. Today I'm speaking with Christine Frey. She's the international award-winning author of Brain XP, Living with Mental Illness, A Young Teenager's Perspective, the first mental health book written by a teenager. Christine started showing signs of anxiety, depression, and psychosis at age 12. Her isolation led her to create the Brain XP Project. Brain XP provides hope to youth battling mental challenges, letting them know that they're not alone. They're not crazy, but rather their minds are special with greater creativity, empathy, and insight. Their brains are expanded. Brain XP. Christine is an engaging public speaker, musical recording artist, and mental health activist. She's a board member for Strong 365, and Strong 365 is a mental health support community and resource hub for young people and their families who are experiencing psychosis. It's estimated that roughly 3% of the population will experience psychosis at some point in their lives, and the onset is typically in teen and young adult years. Strong365 offers online education and peer support and is also conducting research to understand the role of digital media in connecting young people to specialized mental health care. They're organized as a program of the nonprofit One Mind, whose mission is to support brain health research. Christine, you've been open with your experiences with mental health issues, writing a book. Why was it important for you to speak out? Well, speaking out is super important to me because when I was younger, um, I'm still young, I'm 18, but I started struggling pretty badly when I was about 12 years old. And I was looking for the materials from other teenagers, people that were my age, so I could connect with them better and understand that I'm really not alone. And I couldn't find those materials. So I decided that writing a book would be a great way to connect with the fellow teens that are struggling just like me. Um, So that's why I decided to write the book and speaking out just kind of flows with how I'm sharing my story now. So that's why I really felt it was necessary to speak out. And and have you found that with writing the book, um, and I imagine that experience in itself was was probably very healing, um, that it has connected you with other people your age? Yeah. I mean, when I was writing the book, I was crying halfway through it. Um, I finished the book and it was edited and I went through the whole writing process, but I didn't read my book until about eight months after it had been published um, because I didn't want to relive the experiences. But then I kind of started seeing how teens were connecting with my book and not just teenagers, but also their parents and their grandparents and their friends. And it really made it all worthwhile because I was afraid to read my book and like relive those experiences. But seeing that other people were finding hope through it created even more hope for me. And now you're, um, you have a leadership position with Strong 365. You are on their, their board. Yes. Um, 
what do you plan to accomplish with that role? What are your goals? My number one goal um, with everything that I do and with Strong 365 is to help normalize mental illness because psychosis, mental health challenges, they're feared so greatly. So I really want to help stop the stigma that surrounds it and change the language of mental health to be more positive. And so I'm wondering, I mean, I kind of, I'm with you, obviously, as a mental health professional. I, I love the idea of decreasing the stigma and more people getting help. But for you, from your, you know, 18-year-old perspective, why? What do you see as the benefit of, of people your age not fearing these diagnoses? Well, I think it's so important because teens, I always say teens helping teens, because we have to, instead of envying each other and comparing each other and putting each other down, if we work together, the world would be such better place in my opinion. And I don't think we'd have as much violence because the fear I think is what causes a lot of the violence because we don't know what's going on with each other. So I think it's a big deal to understand each other better because when we understand, we fear less. So feeling connected with each other, like actually this, like this world you're talking about that could be better like you guys could make that because you would be more supportive and more connected and there would be less fear. I hear what you're saying there. Like fear being something that adds not only to a mental health issue, but a lot of other issues and suffering. Yes, exactly. Uh, So um, what do you think that adults, those of us that, you know, I love this idea of teens helping teens. And I, I really agree with you that there's something about having a peer understand you and hear you and support you. That's, um, is, it just really makes a beautiful impact. Uh, What can we do as the adults that want to help either as parents listening or other professionals? What do you think that, um, we should know about teen mental health? What are, and also specifically psychosis? Well, In a very short statement, I would say we need the love and support, but going a little deeper into that, I would say that every adult has been a teenager, so they would know teenage years are very difficult, as it is already. So living with psychosis and other mental health challenges only makes it that much harder. I think that adults sometimes forget that teenagers are on a different maturity level than them, and so we're not mature yet. We're not fully formulated in that maturity yet. So we make bad decisions sometimes or poor decisions, and it's not that we're trying to. It's just that good decisions don't always come naturally when you're when you don't have the maturity yet. So I think, yes, we need the love and support from adults, from our parents, grandparents, any adult. But I think it's really just important that they recognize that we're still growing and maturing. And it sounds like um I think so what what I'm hearing is just compassion, support and also uh and I guess normalizing or understanding the developmental arc here that um giving you guys room to to make mistakes and understand that what I'm also hearing is like you don't have all the tools yet because you don't have life experience and your your brains are not developed, especially in this, um, where you're making decisions and, 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 um, creating plans and organizing your thoughts and your emotions. Like that's like, you're still learning that. So offering support as far as understanding compassion. And then it sounds like 
tools too, you know, being teachers. Absolutely. I think, um, I think that's perfectly worded, perfectly said, um, the support, the compassion, the love and the understanding is just, I think the best things to be in a package for us as we try to get through these teenage years. And so what do you tell other teens and young adults, like as you have become connected to them through your leadership that are suffering from mental health issues or feeling misunderstood, like what do you say to them? Well, the first thing I always say, the number one thing is do not lose hope. Keep the hope alive. Um, And I follow that up with um, whenever I speak at presentations, at events, I want them to know that they're never alone. You are never alone because even if you think you have nobody, at least you have me. And that makes a big difference when they hear that because sometimes they don't have the family support, um, the friend support, but just knowing that there's somebody out there who believes in them makes a huge difference. Um, I also like to tell them that there are ways to cope and overcome. So it's a matter of just the experience and learning how to cope and finding what the best outlets are for you. So just be open and willing for help because there are people that want to help you, but if you're not open and willing to be helped, it could be, it could kind of be a spiral downward because the help that you need, you have to just be open to it um, and accepting of it because that's what's ultimately going to help you get through these challenges. And I'm thinking too, I checked out the Strong 365 website and there's a lot of resources on there that seems like it would be, um, you know, they're written in bullet points. Like it seems like if you, even if you were pretty stressed out, you could kind of check them out and look at them and get some ideas. And I know that there were a lot of coping ideas on there and connection um, to professional resources. Uh, so I do, I do just want to put that in there for anyone who's listening, maybe with their parents, that this is a great website with lots of resources too. Um, Let's see. The other thing I wanted to ask you was, was there something crucial in your healing and growing process? Because it sounds like, you know, for everybody, they have to find it on their own, what, what works for them. And was there any big piece for you that just really helped? Yes, that that's an easy one for me. Um, Music was my is and was my best coping skill. And what was interesting was that when I was younger, when I was about 12 years old, very, very depressed, I would go in my room and I would just teach myself the guitar. I would just try to play some chords. I love songwriting. I would write down some lyrics and then I'd try to play the guitar to it. And that was my, my happy place. And I always say to my mom, I was as happy as a depressed kid could be at that time when I got to play and just listen to music, play music, create music. It was so soothing to me. Um, it was a little struggle in the beginning because I was so obsessed with the music. I was addicted to doing that because it made me so happy that I would sometimes isolate and I wouldn't come out of my room. But I've gotten to that balance where I create the music and I also balance it with my actual life and I'm able to go out and be in other places. Um, always when I'm um, in the car, we've got the music playing and it's just it's just such a great outlet for me and I just absolutely love it and it's helped me in so many ways. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think a lot of times uh, when we hear about mental health issues, we just think of therapy or medication. But I think as a therapist myself, a big piece is helping individuals connect to their life, like connect back into their life and the things they love and so that they can take those with them and use them anytime. And so I I really thank you for sharing this imagery of you 
keeping yourself well through your creative pursuits upstairs in your room with your music and and checking in with yourself and realizing this is where I feel the most well and safe at this moment. Um, you know, so much insight and self-awareness there as well as growing and learning through your creative pursuits. Um, thank you for, for sharing that with us. Absolutely. My last question is we, so this podcast is all about, um, kind of a mindful style of parenting and, do you use mindfulness? Does it have a role in your daily routines? Yeah, it does. Um, I always like to stop for a second every single day um, and just spend some time alone. Not not huge amounts of time, but just, just a little bit of time alone because that gives me time to just breathe and reflect and also to show gratitude because I think sometimes people forget that breathing, reflecting, showing the gratitude, that's all about living in the moment. And that's what I feel mindfulness is all about. Um, so that's really what I try to do. Just get that little bit of time alone to just reflect on what's going on in your life. That sounds, that's amazing. I wish I had been able to be so wise as to do any of these things at 18. (laughs) Christine. (laughs) (laughs) So before I let you go, is there um, anything that you want to share with our audience, things you want them to check out or know about that's going on for you? Yeah. Well, um, I know we talked a lot about teenage years and all that because I am a teenager. Well, I actually have founded a teenage mental health community. Um, and it's not just for teenagers, it's for their parents, um, any struggling teen, you don't have to have a mental health challenge. Um, but it's just this really all inclusive welcoming community that I've created. It exists mostly online, but I go out and I do presentations and speak um, at events all about teenage mental health and how we can cope. Because I think a lot of times we hear all the factual, um, stuff and the statistics, but this is real life experience and how I've learned to cope and how teenagers can do the same as well. We go through this whole system of hope, um, having a healthy mind, openly sharing, positively coping, and then empowering yourself and others. It's such a great system. And so I really want to just share and emphasize that keeping hope is the most important thing that you can do, and that'll help you feel less alone. So my teenage mental health community is actually called Brain XP. Um, It stands for Brain Expanded. And the reason why that is, is because that's the positive twist on mental illness. It's feared um, and it's stigmatized. But when you think about it in a positive way, our brains are just expanded. We think in these special, unique ways and keeping it in that positive light is so important to me. So this teenage mental health community has really helped me and I know it's helping other people. Um, so yeah, brain XP, I feel like is the next teenage movement. And so I wanted to share that with you guys just to, if any of you are interested or want to know more about that, um, that's really what I like to do and it helps me greatly. And so I know it can help you guys as well. Thank you, Christine. So for our listeners, we're going to make sure that um, Brain XP is linked into our show notes so you can go and check that out as a parent or as a young person. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Christine. Thank you. Thank you. I had a great time. Thank you. Thank you, Christine, for speaking with us today. If you want to learn more about Strong365, Christine, and all the amazing stuff she's doing, you can find links to her in this episode's show notes. 
Christine curated a list of mental health resources important to her for our listeners, which you have access to in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating on iTunes so other parents can find this resource. If you leave a rating and a comment, send a screenshot of it to wideawakeparenting at gmail.com and you'll receive our free balanced screen time checklist. This is a resource we designed for you guys to help make daily choices around your child or teen's screen time to decrease the negative effects on their development and hopefully take away that guilty parent feeling that rises up every time you see them viewing a screen. We won't use your email address for anything other than to send you your free balanced screen time checklist. That is our episode. I'm Dr. Kirsten Kazarian, and until we meet again, be gentle with yourself, courageous on your path, and let's help each other try to stay awake.